This is Jam D. Mateus, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 108, and I am your High Priest of Conchi, Ray. With me for this episode, we have a very special guest, Josh... Geronimo! Johnson, Josh, welcome. Hey, man, how's it going? Yeah, good, good. It's, uh, it's great to have you back. It's great to have your dulcet tones on the show uh, you obviously no stranger. Uh, Josh has been on hosting the show uh, on Isla Ra, and most recently, Josh, you've been uh, partaking in our our cereal. Oh yeah, that's been pretty fun to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and I just want to make mention to the loonies out there as well. Fear not. Um, for those who may be wondering where it is, it has been a while, but um, I have collated episodes four and five. Um, I'm just putting them together, so they should be released very soon, of which Josh is uh, um, partaking in, in episode five, so you'll get to see how Josh and Dustin fare in a Bosco Verde. But <laughs> anyway, all that aside, Josh, it's uh, it's been a while since we've chatted. Um, uh, what's been what's been doing comics-wise? Have you been quite busy um, catching up, or have you been reading a lot of old stuff? Uh, I've... Well, I think I've been reading a lot of old stuff. I pretty much, I pretty much cut down my pull list. I just, mm-hmm. I'm only, I'm only collecting four titles anymore. Okay, and uh, so I've just been sticking to the older stuff. Uh, wh- um, what are you? What are you? What's on your pull list? Um, I just have the. Uh, what do I have? I have uh, Thor, cool, uh, Captain America, Daredevil, and Amazing Spider-Man. So oh. that's the only thing I'm collecting anymore. I kind of cut everything else out. Yeah, four dollars an issue yeah. here in the states. It's for something that I can read in five minutes and not even really enjoy. Like some of the other titles mm. that I had, I'm like, that's mm, not worth me. I'd rather I'd rather buy go buy four bins out of the dollar yep. than from like the seventies, eighties, nineties instead. Yeah, that takes me half an hour to read. <laughs> yeah, that's it, isn't it? Don't you get um? So you have that kind of like radar with you too, like because I've recently culled myself and. You read all the titles that you've you've got on your list, and there are some of them which you really enjoy, like the Daredevil. I'm assuming you're obviously you're enjoying it. You've you've kept with it. Chip Zdarsky is very good. Um, yeah. But there's some other titles that you read that you're on. They're on your list, and you're kind of thinking, yeah, this is kind of just you know run of the mill. Um, and they're the ones that I guess you inevitably kind of strike off the list, right? Yeah, pretty much. I was. Like for example, like the like the ones I cut, the big ones I cut off were Avengers, Iron Man, and Fantastic Four. Oh, which, Fantastic Four, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think that one. It's not that I wasn't enjoying. It, it's mm. just, uh, it's just I money wise. I yeah. think I just need to stick to like four. Yeah. Like Avengers and Iron Man. I was like after the War of the Realms mm-hmm. tie-ins. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm kind of done with this. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Right. So, yeah. It's um. Yeah, Avengers I cut as well. That was, you know, with a heavy heart because it was, it was doing well. I mean, like, I'm a big fan of Jason Aaron, uh, and he was really coming into his own. Um, to me, actually, a War of the Realms kind of, 
I don't know, because it was so vast. It was really actually a bit overwhelming, I found. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I was, uh, yeah, because when I first started, because I was really excited for it. I'm like, I'm going to get, like, I'm going to try to get, like, every tie-in that I can. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm, <sighs> That's a big I'm recently yeah. new to, like, Marvel. Yeah. So, like, I have, like, this is, like, the first event that I'm really kind of mm. been on board for. Yeah. So, I'm like, I'm going to try to get everything. And, like, the first two weeks I did... And like got like all like the tie-in issues, yeah. um, and like the little spin-off, like one-off things. And then when it came to like the, you know how they release really, really yeah release the strike force yes. like one shots, mm-hmm. like they divide into teams. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's gonna be cool. So I picked up the first one, and they also came out with issue three of War of the Realms. Yeah, and basically the the strike force issue was basically just them just planning on what they're gonna do that. But you didn't see it because it took place in issue three. It's like, so I just oh. bought that issue. And it was just them talking about what they were going to do. And that kind of put me off it. And I didn't pick up any other issues after that. I mean, I read the War of the Realms itself was really good. I enjoyed uh-huh. that. But I just cut off all the tie-ins. I'm like, nah, this is Except the ones that were on my pull list already. Yeah. yeah it's a bit of a fine balance, isn't it? Because, uh, to be honest, it is fun to actually, and and I you know, recommend it to any um early or, or young kind of comic book readers out there is to, to pick an event and to, yeah, I mean, go for it. Like, try to follow everything in it. Uh, there are some events which are quite doable. Others with, typically, like with War of the Realms, Josh, as well, it was quite expensive. I think to actually to cover everything, to get everything, would cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars. But um, it is fun, actually, to, to follow an event and to actually get the crossovers and tie-ins. Um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, to, to young listeners out there, I'd recommend to, you know, pick, you know, pick a, an event because Marvel will always have an event. So you can't, you can't do it for all of them, but pick, pick one that you probably like and, uh, see if you can kind of follow it with all the titles. Cause it is, um, despite what you say, Josh, at, at the end, it is quite satisfying to, to know all the, the, um, you know, ins and outs of everything rather than mm-hmm. just the core book. But when it comes down to what you say and they just basically rehash stuff and you have to fork out another four bucks, that's pretty, that's pretty bad, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much a, a waste. But um, look, uh, having said that, though, uh, I wanted to just get into... Well, look, Loonies, look, we're going to cover everything. Uh, sorry, I haven't done the, formal, the formalities or anything. Uh, we're going to have all our usual segments. Um, so, obviously, Josh and I, we're just starting off a little idle chat. Josh is on board here. He is our resident expert with with a lot of our classic runs um, and all to do with Moon Knight. So, Josh has been here before. He knows uh, the drill. And tonight, we're looking at a trade arc review. So, it's a, it is a waxing gibbous in the sky if you have a little look up there and uh so we are um are asked by conchu to do a trade arc review and we're doing west coast avengers volume 2 issues 25 to 30 so this is a nice six issue slab which involves moon knight um and uh yeah without spoiling anything josh because we're going to get into it um uh, an enjoyable read for yourself oh yeah i did enjoy it um like I said before we start, I think it was, it's a, it's like a four issue arc that's matched between two standalone issues. So mm. the first issue won't really tie much into the arc, and the last one don't really tie much into the arc. Yeah, true. Um, 
if anything, it kind of breaks it up, I guess. So that's okay. But yeah, absolutely yeah. right. The, the four middle issues are pretty much very well tied together. Anyway, we'll get into that, Loonies. Um, before that, we've got a few other segments which should, shouldn't last too long, I'd imagine, because news, again, is quite lean. Um, Josh, we're talking comics. Uh, one of the things uh, I do like to ask is, over the past week, uh, what would you recommend? Like, out of all the things that you've read, uh, what, are, what are a couple of uh, standouts for you? Um, let's see. Uh, well, the things that I've sort of been reading lately, like two things I've been reading some of the like mid '90s Thor, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty good. It's just I mean, it's getting into that era where yeah, everything's becomes '90sified. Like Thor has this really weird costume <laughs> where like yeah. it's like a tank top sort of, okay. but he has like these huge ass shoulder pads. It's like oh, this is <laughs> you could definitely tell it in the '90s. Yeah. But it actually does a, a neat little retcon uh, when it comes to like uh, like Donald Blake, right? Uh, like so, they take the. I, I'll, I'll just quickly run through it. But mm-hmm. so, if you've read like uh, Journey into Mystery eighty three, first appearance of Thor, you just this random uh, Doctor Donald Blake with a limp. He just walking through Norway, walks into a cave, finds this this stick and slams it and becomes Thor. Mm. Well, here they, uh, it, it, when I'm reading, they sort of retcon that to the point where where at first you thought that. Like Thor or Donald Blake was just the Thor in human form, sort of. And when he finds that the hammer again, like he be, like he's able to become Thor, but then he can switch back and forth between the two. Okay. But here they change it to the point where Donald Blake was a real guy, and Odin had basically uh, stuck Thor's spirit to Don, like young Don Blake until eventually, uh, and then. When it was Thor needed to come back to Asgard, that's when Don Blake was like whisked away to Norway. And that's when he found it. So real, uh, and then Thor took his place, and real Don Blake was stuck in that cave for oh, like thirty years. Wow, wow! <laughs> it's actually a really, it's actually a really neat retcon. Jeez, and yeah, wow, that's so, a, that's pretty good. I wonder if do they still? Um, is it Donald Blake? Who is it these days? Is he still around or? I've, I've not um, gotten into touch I, with Thor. I don't know. Does he have an alter, have alter no, ego anymore? No. No, I think now nowadays he's just it's just Thor. he's just Thor, and that's it. Which yeah. I prefer that to be honest. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, you have enough secret identities and stuff. Wasn't there like Eric Madison? He was in the nineties, wasn't he? he? He was a he was a different yeah. Thor. He kind of had the Thor with the uh, the modern speak. I remember that in the Avengers. Yeah, he yeah. was uh, Thunderstrike. Oh, he was Thunderstrike as well. I was about to ask about Thunderstrike yeah. as well. Or, or yeah. he he was the embodiment of Thor for a while, yeah. and then he sort of took over. And then when Thor came back, then he became Thunderstrike. Oh, okay, right. I didn't. I, yeah, I have no idea about the origin of Thunderstrike. Yeah, I just remember Eric Madison. Uh, he was the bearded Thor with the the helmet with the visor, like the the. Yep. Uh, and uh, he spoke, you know, like anyone else in the nineties, rather than the old school old English. Um, and it was a it was a bit of a point of difference as well. I thought um, uh, to me very very nineties, but um, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. And uh, and something else that you've been uh, reading more recently? Uh, yeah, I've actually I've actually uh, started reading uh, it's War Stories by Garth Ennis. Mm. 
He's so everyone. I've, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I'd say he's very much into uh, military and war stories. So this yeah. sounds like a summation of <laughs> of all his. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I just saw it recommended. I'm in a couple um, like war comic groups on Facebook, and I saw somebody recommend. I was like, oh, let me check it out, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. Okay. Um, and uh, this actually, maybe this is. A bit of a scoop, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I mentioned before on here a couple of times that I was that I've been wanting to start my own podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, but I'm just trying to find an idea that hasn't been done a thousand times mm-hmm. already. Yeah, and because uh, I know like the first time I was on here, I was like, oh, I'd like to do one where it's like going over like maybe Bronze Age characters and going over their origins. Uh-huh. But I'm like, I bet if I look that up, there's ten thousand of them. <laughs> so so mm-hmm. I want to try to do something just like a little different. Mm-hmm. And I was kicking around in ideas, and I took a bit of inspiration, and I guess you can. this can be a bit of a shout-out, but, um, well, uh, I've been on here how many times in almost every episode, I, somewhere I mentioned the Nam, which is yeah, one yeah. of my favorite com- <laughs> uh, comic arcs, like the Vietnam yes. Marvel series, yeah. and because uh, that was one of my original ideas, and I was like, let me make sure that no one's done this, but actually it turns out there actually is mm. a non podcast. Um, I'll give a bit of a shout out. It's yeah. called in country. Yeah. And, uh, the, and that, that one's really good. He's actually about, he's just, he's wrapping it up in the next couple months. Cause he's just doing the whole, just doing the whole run. And, uh, so what's he going to do afterwards? What, like, after- oh, no, he's once, when, once he reaches a hundred episodes, he's done. Oh, okay. Because there's 84 issues, then he's doing some other stuff. Like he's went over some like Vietnam War yeah. movies and like oh. uh, and like novels and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Um, but so I took a bit of inspiration. of like, let me because I enjoy like history and mm-hmm. and stuff and like war comics and stuff. So I think you know what I should do one that's solely just on just any kind of war comic in general. Yeah. Because they've been around for a while like they've been around since the 40s and 50s there's so many different titles and not just from like marvel and dc mm-hmm. you have like uh like minor publishers like yeah. charlton if you know who they oh, are no. um charlton was a uh yeah they were a comic company from like the 40s to like the 70s or 80s right but they actually were bought, were bought out by dc and uh dc actually incorporated a couple of their characters into the DC universe probably the most prominent one is Blue Beetle. Really? Okay, he was, he's a yeah, big name. Yep. Well, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so they've had a bunch. Uh, uh, where are some other ones? There's like a lot of ones from like the 50s and stuff. Like obviously they're not like they like have been shut down since like the 60s or 70s. Mm-hmm. But I've read a couple of them and they're pretty good. So that's why. So that's why I joined some of those comic groups just to sort of kind of get a feel. So, yeah, so I'm thinking about, I mean, this is me, so I have the idea. Oh, yeah, this will be a good idea for a podcast. <laughs> I probably won't go through with it just because it's me, but I'm sort of kind of kicking some ideas around. Yeah, for sure. Just to do, yeah, just just to do just, uh, just a general war comic podcast because there's, none, there's none, none that I could find I, except for the one I listened to. And that's the best thing, isn't it? Like, you just, you talk about something that you love to talk about, so... Before you know it, like you feel the half an hour or whatever, and and you've got yourself an episode right there. So it's actually it's not a task at all. But um, yeah, look, if you've got any questions about podcasting and just the behind the scenes and you know putting it together and publishing it, uh, more than happy to to uh, to give some advice and and you know make some recommendations for you. 
Yeah, because yeah, that's like the biggest thing. It's like I, I could probably come up with the content. It's just the producing part mm. that would just kick my ass because I am so technology inept. It's, oh, <laughs> it's <okay>. embarrassing. <laughs> oh, maybe we should have a maybe we should have a bit of a talk off air, Josh, and, and some options of uh, how you like it produced. I don't know. We'll see how we go. Yeah, that sounds, uh, sounds good. Um, just also wanted to say as well, um, listeners, I, I pitched something to Josh uh, a while ago. Uh, remember, Josh, it was about showcasing characters from the Marvel Universe, like, you know, an episode the, spotlighting yeah, each. The, yeah. The Marvel Handbook. Yeah, the yeah. Marvel Handbook. And uh, just recently yeah. I found, uh, so another little shout-out to Alphabet Flight. Uh, it's a Marvel podcast uh, just two guys, and they go from A to Z or A to Z, um, all the characters in the Marvel Handbook. Uh, short, sharp episodes, you know, so they range from, like, you know, 15 minutes to maybe 25 minutes for a character. Uh, but it's a, it's a nice little resource. If you, if you ever want to learn more about a particular character, just scroll through their list of podcasts. But anyway, so I had this idea for Josh, and uh, unfortunately the idea has been has been taken, Josh, so we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> can't do that. But, uh, yeah, no, let's, let's have a talk afterwards about, um, about maybe getting, yeah, getting your, your show off the ground. It sounds really interesting, and, and I'll, definitely, I'll definitely back it. Um, I know you've got the chops for podcasting, Josh, so, uh, so that's, uh, that's cool. So War Stories, uh, what does it entail? Is it a, a particular protagonist, or are they uh, a collection of stories? So there's two different like uh, like there's two different series. Like the first couple series came out through Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read the first two. Out. Those are just uh, they're like um, like big size one shots. Like uh, they're like sixty pages or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just one story for each one. Uh, like the first one was the, from the perspective of a uh, a German tank crew okay. towards like it uh towards like the last days of uh the war world war ii in europe um and the second one was uh about uh what's known as the d-day dodgers now, if you know your history mm-hmm. like obviously d-day was the invasion um, of france at, at normandy mm-hmm. um but at the time the allies were still in uh they're still in italy because they had invaded italy the year before and working their way up okay and uh, like there was this British group and they were getting like they're just fu- they're fighting there and then back in England you have the big shot politicians in Parliament and one of them is saying how all of those guys that are still fighting in Italy are cowards because they missed out on D Day mm. and stuff so it's them sort of dealing with that uh, mental like stuff eating at them while also fighting so yeah. and there's a couple more in that series I- I'm reading but then. Uh, and then later on, I guess in like maybe like ten years later, he did it with a different publishing company, and that was I forgot what it's called, it Avatar uh-huh. or something. And uh, that one is more; uh, it's like three issue miniseries for the stores. And like the first, the okay. one that I read of that so far was a crew of uh, a B uh, B seventeen bombing crew. All right, and their missions. So, so each like yeah, so each thing is a different different protagonists and different even different factions too from right. from either if it's the british americans germans yeah so yeah oh, so okay I'm really enjoying it and how's the art like any pr- prominent artists on on there um no no one pro- uh no prominent artists i don't think mm-hmm. um I, I think each one has a different artist okay uh the the first one that i 
read the the one with the Germans. That one, the art on that one is really good. Okay. And the one with the 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 bombing uh, the bombers one, that one was really good too. Yeah. Because there's like there's so much air, there's so many aircraft and there's so many battles and stuff going on in the air. Like the art's that really good. The one with the British guys, that one, the art on that one isn't as good as the other ones. Oh, but okay. I still still enjoyed all of them though yeah nice no no well um as always loonies we'll put uh some links in the show notes for you as well so if you're interested uh just click on the links and uh, it will take you to i think i found a, a connection to um uh, was it? i think it was just a, a wikipedia page about war stories by garth ennis so uh that should take you to to plenty of the things but uh just um again later on uh if you have any particular uh issues and stuff that you'd like to to share uh, just let us know, and I'll put those links in as well. Okay. Cool. cool. Uh, for myself, just uh, like little standouts of the past week. Uh, the first one, I'd have to say trade-wise, uh, it's from Dark Horse. It's called The Massive. Uh, so um, I'll tell you a little bit about that later in one of the shout-outs, but uh, I got to talk about it on, on another podcast. Uh, it's basically like a post-apocalyptic scenario uh the world has had a whole series of um natural disasters and society has kind of crumbled and uh and it follows uh, an ex-mercenary who's a pacifist now um captaining a ship with a couple of others and it's just about well the first trades just uh them finding resources like fuel uh, water food uh, and it's pretty. It's done pretty well. I think it's quite well grounded. Uh, the art's pretty good. Written by Brian Wood, um, so loonies will know Brian Wood from the Moon Knight Run in 2014, I think, or 2000. I can't remember. 2011. Uh, no, no, he did the. Um, he did the second. He took over after Warren Ellis. Yes, I think. he did the. So uh, that's 2014, 15, right? Uh, yep, yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah, he's he, uh, yeah, that's right. He was sandwiched between Warren Ellis and Cullen Bunn in those uh, the trilogy of uh, Moon Knight. What what is considered uh, what's that volume seven, I think, of the Moon Knight canon. Yeah, 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 I think so. Something like that. Depen- or, depending on where you, yeah, yeah which one it's, you. Follow. It's so confusing. He has so many volumes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I ch- it's like trying to. F- uh, yeah, it's like trying to follow the the Punisher. It's like he's like thirteen, yes. fourteen volumes. I was about to say. I was about to say exactly. Uh, we'll get to that. Punisher volume twelve. Friggin' hell. Anyway, um, so the massive uh, from Dark Horse. Uh, it's a bit older, so I think it came out around. I could be wrong here. I'm just stretching. I think it, it came around uh, 2013. Or I could have misread that. It could be two thousand three, but it's uh, it's been out for a while, and uh, they've got trays and hardcovers. Uh, the other one, more recent, Marvel related as well. Absolute carnage. Now, uh, this oh, you know this is a brilliant first issue for an event. Uh, I might be obviously. I think I'll be trade waiting for this event. I, I don't have enough coin to sustain following this josh we were talking you know just before about um our collections uh, i won't be able to follow it you know in physical format um but i might trade weight uh, but i did read the digital version of uh, issue one and it is a cracker donny cates he comes through with the goods and ryan stegman brilliant artwork uh josh are you a um have you any inclination towards symbiotes at all or that kind of world uh, not really. Okay. I mean, I like the, like, in, like, like, 
Carnage as like first appearance mm-hmm. and like Maximum Carnage. I like that. Oh yes, but I haven't really I haven't really followed much afterwards because yeah. I was debating on picking it up, mm. but then I saw like seven ninety nine. I'm like, jeez, <laughs> I know it is a, it is a bomb. But you know, in this instance, um, and in the digital version, you get the director's cut. So there's like three hundred odd pages of you get the script. Oh, wow. Yeah, you get the script. You get all the variant covers. Um, and the story itself is is pretty cool, I reckon. So uh, it might be worth worth um, getting. Uh, like you as well, I I don't know too much about the symbiote world. I like Venom. I like Carnage from the '90s as well. The Mark Bagley introduction, Maximum Carnage. Yeah, <laughs> I read that. It's uh, <laughs> it's a bit of an up a downer. Um, but you know, it's got its place in the history. Uh, but anyway, this one. It's 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 dark. It's kind of horror tinged. Um, it doesn't mess about, and it puts. Uh, it's got Spidey in there as well. So I can't lord it enough. I think it was the probably the pick of the week for me um, of the the past week. Um, so yeah, definitely, absolute carnage is is worth getting. Right. Well, uh, news wise, white noise. Uh, there's not much again similar to last week. Look, we're going to fly through this, Josh. A couple of look these things. I mean, they they're almost exhausting aren't they um looking on the internet and coming up with yet again some fan casting blah 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 anyway the rumor is that andrew garfield apparently is marvel's top choice for moon knight uh this is off the back of recently you know speculating whether keanu reeves will be moon knight um josh thoughts on this andrew garfield is he a good fit uh not to me, no, mm. I don't think so. I mean, and I all honestly, like, I hate any kind of fan casting. Yeah. But just for something about it, it just bothers me. I think it's just because <laughs> I, like, especially, like, not even just for Moon Knight, but over the past, like, couple yeah. months, maybe even year, it's like, who's going to be the next Batman? Who do you, like, who's going to be cast as Wolverine? It's like, I think this. It's, yeah. it's like, it got, it got to the point where it annoyed me so much just as a joke. I just took two pictures of my cat, put a Batman <laughs> symbol on one, and an X, the X Men X on O. I'm yeah. like, here's who I think is going to be the next one because it's just, yeah. you know, it just drives me nuts. But, yeah. uh, but Andrew Garfield, nah, to me, no. I yeah, don't think. Uh, I agree as well. He looks too young, too clean cut for me to be a mercenary as well. You know, doesn't doesn't really suit. Um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? People get into arguments over this stuff as well, like fan casting. It's all hypothetical, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Anyway, so that was one of them. Um, I just picked that. Look, I just I just trolled the internet. The other one was um, apparently there's a mention also of uh, from We Got we got It Covered, I think, the website, which is not totally credible. Uh, also mentions Joseph Gordon-Levitt is under consideration for Moon Knight, uh, those of you will remember, he featured in The Dark Knight Rises. He was, yes, he was the Robin um, that was alluded to. He was uh, that guy. And the guy from, um, what is yeah. it, Third Rock from the Sun? Pretty funny show. Uh, uh, yeah, I've never seen that one. You know, he's He's been in a lot of stuff, actually, yeah. the past couple yeah, of years. Yeah, he's a good actor. I always, good actor. Oh, yeah, I, actually, if I, like between him and Garfield, I would actually pref- I'd actually prefer him instead. Yeah. I think he... He think he would be better between the two of them. Yeah. Oh, me too. Uh, by far. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, because he can pull it off. Uh, I reckon he can pull off the different personalities, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, those are the two. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be even more. Look, this is all a buzz from the San Diego 
announcements and speculation and I'm sure what the D what is it the D23 is that what it's called uh, yeah D23 is coming out end of August or something and um New York Comic Con's coming out so there's a there's a few more announcements going to be coming our way I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Moon Knight speculation look and rightly so within our um our arena Josh you know we are we are a Moon Knight community. Um, we should well be abuzz with something. But let's see. Hopefully, you know, we're disappointed with San Diego. Maybe um, something else will will pop up. Uh, I also want to actually, again, another reminder from our interview with JMD Mateus. Moon Knight will be popping up in the Spider-Man animated series. Um, so we've got to keep our eyes out for that. So that's quite exciting. Um, I'm not sure if you caught any of the Spider-Man animated series, Josh. No, I have not. The only thing, the only thing of it I had watched was uh, I think there was a clip of, or maybe that was in the Ultimate. Spider-Man, that was yeah, that was the where, yeah, yeah, the old okay of Moon Knight's appearance in that one. Right, there's one episode where he took it, so I just watched the clips from that. Oh, okay. No, this uh, this latest um, series of Spider-Man, it's just called Marvel Spider-Man. I think it's adjectiveless. Um, it's quite good. I mean, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not an animated show watcher. I'm not an avid animated show watcher. But um, this has done quite quite well, I think. I think it can appeal to both the young audience and to, you know, to older fans. Um, so I'd be interested to see how Moon Knight plays into that. Uh, anyway, also, we, through Night's Watch, again, that was a, this is a request from one of the loonies. Uh, any appearances of Moon Knight, um, we want to be the watchdogs. Um, for all the loonies out there to give you the heads up. Uh, and, of course, Punisher 14, um, what we said before, Volume 12, Issue 14. It's crazy. Yeah, it took me a while to friggin' find out which bloody volume it was. Um, I started, yeah. I thought, Volume 2, I was way off the mark. Um, but Volume 12, uh, Moon Knight appears towards the end of it. Hey, Looney listeners, it's Phil Parrish from the Capes and Lunatics podcast. Don't tell Ray, but I'm hijacking the show. Um, I just wanted to get my quick thoughts in on this week's Punisher number 14, because we got an appearance by our boy Moon Knight. I've been loving this Punisher run, especially, you know, everything with the Kingpin and uh, Baron Zemo bringing back the Thunderbolts. And I'm like, are they working together? Is one of them, is Zemo planning the double cross kingpin which i don't know if it's ever a good thing uh but yeah i love the thunderbolts and punisher seems like he's getting his own army with uh black widow and night thrasher it looks like we're even getting danny catch ghost rider coming back shout out to inner demons podcast but yeah i mean i think moon knight's the only one who's brave enough or crazy enough or both who can just get in the punisher's face and not get killed you know by saying stuff like hey frank how's the dead family uh when are they going to give this Moon Knight guy a show already? Come on. Come on. Ultraviolence somewhere. Come on. All right. So, again, just love this uh, issue. It was a straight-up A for me. And remember, again, this is our little secret. Don't tell Ray I hijacked the show. And thank you, Conchu, for your time and the Looney listeners. All right. I guess we'll give Ray back control. Back to the show. Um, so this is quite interesting. Obviously, it sets up for um, issue fifteen, which will definitely have more Moon Knight action. But um, Josh, did you catch the pages of this? I think it was posted up in the group as well. Yeah, somebody 
yeah, somebody posted a side just right there because I because I'm now I'm gonna I am gonna buy issue uh, fifteen yeah, to read too. that because of not only Moon Knight but Night Thrasher too. I know. Um, How cool is that? So yeah, so but I just just that page where he appears. I just read that. Yeah, like when somebody posted it. Yeah, I think it was pretty funny. I, I like the um, uh, I like the um kind of style that Rosenberg kind of gives Moon Knight. It, it, uh, what was it? Night Thrasher goes, what did Punisher just call me? And Moon Knight goes, oh, I think he called you a mental patient. <laughs> and then Night Thrasher goes, no, I don't think that was me. <laughs> I don't think that was me. Um, so there's a, there's a little quirkiness to Moon Knight, um, but there's also the reiteration that, you know, he has a, you know, he's mentally kind of unstable. Um, it, it makes for, I can't wait for Fish Day and I think it would be good, but for the completionists, yeah. He's in issue 14, go look it up. Um, or if you just want to read the page, it's on our ITK Facebook group for you as well. Um, okay, well, well, that about wraps up our, just like our preamble. Um, we're going to go into, now Josh, the, the meat of this episode, uh, and a very moon, Mooney-centric, uh, as well as West Coast Avengers-centric. This is, um, yeah, Over the Moon. <sighs> Yes, uh, Over the Moon, our trade arc review. So as mentioned, it is a waxing gibbous up in the sky, and uh, we're looking at Volume 2, Issues 25 to 30. So these issues, um, and Josh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you do the honours of going through uh, some of the credits for all these <laughs> issues, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah? Okay. All right. Um, so this was released between... October 1987 to March 1988. Um, and it's look, it's still available uh, digitally. I'm sure you can get it on Comixology. Marvel Unlimited, uh, it's in singles. If you can find your bargain bins and your back issues, uh, it's also in trade paperback. Um, I know Epic Collection are releasing a version of West Coast Avengers which will encapsulate these issues as well. Um, as well as it's also been previously issued in hardcover trade. I've seen that definitely in um, my local comic book store so it has been if you do look hard enough or look on ebay you can probably find a copy but you should be able to to find it somewhere and um and josh so with these six issues we have a a variety of creators all right yeah so the uh well well, issues 25 to to 29 were written by steve engelhart Mm -hmm. uh issue 30 is written by al milgram who also draws, uh, he's the penciler for the entire arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's see here. I think, was it the colorists are, uh, sorry, there's like a break in, yeah. the, in the prompt. Between, <laughs> so, so, so your, ink, your anchors are, let's see, Mike Macklin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's for all of them. I think, yeah, yeah, I think he is too. Yep. Um, let's see. Colorists you have, let's see, Christy Shield, Paul Beckton, uh, Juliana Ferriter, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Sharon, Gregory Wright. I think every issue has a different colorist, mm. it seems like. I can't say I, or, I noticed the difference in coloring, but anyway, well, maybe I'll have a look <laughs> we'll go through it. Yeah. Uh, 
is going all over the place here. Oh <laughs> man, let's see. I should have counted. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I covered all the callers mm-hmm. in the letter. It looks like it's. Let's see, Ken Lopez, Bill Oakley, Tom Wozniakowski. None of these are in order, by the way. I'm just scrolling back and forth. Hey, no, no, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. No, no, that's a group. group and the effort. overall, yeah, it's a, it's a group effort. Yep. And then the editor overall is Mark Grunwald. Mm, yeah, the great Mark Grunwald. So, so everyone that I mentioned did have a place somewhere within these. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, <laughs> look, you know, the big hit is obviously Steve Englehart, Al Milgram, Mike Macklin. I think with the, and and Mark Greenwald editor, um, but yeah, yeah, we, there's a slew of colorists and um, and letterers in here as well. So anyway, um, as always, well for this trade arc review, actually, um, we'll start off with a synopsis, and then Josh and I will start getting into. And this was introduced in our last episode. Some particular aspects of this arc as a whole. So we'll be looking at writing. We'll be looking at the artwork. We'll be looking at themes. Uh, for covering these six issues, we'll look at characterizations of these characters and and references and how this ties into any of the other runs in the Marvel Universe or the titles going on at the time. So, uh, yeah, so I've got a little synopsis here that covers all six issues. And, um, yeah, here it goes. Simon Williams, Wonder Man, discovers through a tussle with a possessed abomination that although he loves the adoration that comes with being a movie star, his heart belongs to the West Coast Avengers and fighting crime. Meanwhile, Taurus becomes the sole survivor of the Zodiac Cartel when Jake Fury, masquerading as a Scorpio within the group, reveals himself and sets his own team of LMD Zodiacs upon them. Jake reveals that he too is an LMD, and his band of Zodiacs kill all but Taurus, who manages to flee. Taurus approaches the West Coast Avengers, asking for their help to put a stop to Jake Fury and his LMD Zodiac squad. Elsewhere, Bobby Morse, aka Mockingbird, laments not having told Hawkeye the entire truth about her final confrontation with the Phantom Rider and his seemingly innocent fate. The Avengers tussle with the Zodiac at a cattle breeding auction of all places, but are ultimately unsuccessful in capturing them. A short while after, Hawkeye is ambushed by the 12 members and he's abducted and replaced by an LMD version, unbeknownst to his teammates. Reconvening with the West Coast Avengers, Taurus predicts the Zodiac are to strike a mint, much to the suspicion of Moon Knight. The White Knight does not entirely trust Taurus, but entertains Taurus's insistence that his assistance with the West Coast Avengers is entirely altruistic. Moon Knight shares a kiss with Tigra, whilst Mockingbird finally confronts the LMD Hawkeye about the truth with Phantom Rider. She soon discovers that he isn't really Hawkeye, and with the help of Tigra they dispose of the android Mole. A reveal shows that Tiger 2 is also an LMD, being a second mole planted by the Zodiac to infiltrate the Avengers compound. The Avengers catch up with the Zodiac at the Denver Mint and another battle ensues. The Zodiac are able to escape to Death Valley via the Zodiac Key and Iron Man reveals his knowledge of the Zodiac Key. It essentially thrives on conflict, so when the realm from which it originated no longer satiates its needs, it's transported to Earth in search of conflict and sustenance. 
Moon Knight's knowledge of astrology is used to confirm that Taurus's next prediction of where the Zodiac will be is correct, and with his suspicions eased somewhat, the West Coast Avengers head to Death Valley and find what they are looking for, the Zodiac. Tigra reveals herself as an LMD, but the Zodiac and Jake Fury are defeated, only for them all to be resurrected by the Zodiac Key itself. They are then all transported away to the realm of the Brotherhood, whilst Taurus uses the opportunity to escape. The Zodiac are all incapacitated, as there is no zodiacal energy in the realm of the Brotherhood, but the Avengers find the real Hawkeye and Tigra and are reunited. They encounter the Brotherhood, who wish not to fight them, lest they lose an opportunity to feed off conflict which may occur on Earth. So they return the West Coast Avengers back home, with a warning that they will send the key over to Earth again when they least expect it, to feed off the conflict which the Avengers or others may generate in the years to come. They are brought back and having discovered Taurus's escape, Moon Knight vows to track him down. The chase is on and after a brief encounter with the Shroud, Taurus flees an ever encroaching Moon Knight. Their fight sees them high in the sky as Taurus tries to fly away on a hijacked plane but he meets his death as the aircraft plummets out of control, whilst a falling Moon Knight is saved by Iron Man. Hawkeye is livid at the Fist of Conchu for having not worked as a team, and for the apparent cold-blooded murder of Taurus. Finally, after a bit of respite, Simon Williams is abducted by a race of aliens, the Sleeks, who want to analyse earthly specimens before proposing to invade the planet. The West Coast Avengers come to Simon's rescue, but all are transported to another realm where they are each in turn tested by the Examiner. The Avengers manage to ultimately defeat the aliens and return home. The Sligs manage to send their data to their Supreme One, and a composite Avenger, or artist's impression, is collated, giving enough reason for the Sligs to call off their plans to invade a planet with clearly formidable inhabitants. Yeah, so that was the synopsis for all those six issues of West Coast Avengers Volume 2, issues 25 to 30. Josh, we have given the credits, we've given the synopsis, let's get into this. Um, the first thing, I guess, uh, thoughts of about writing. Um, the first note I've put in is that it's obviously very much a thing of the time. Um, <laughs> yes. It's almost like a little caveat. Uh, again, it's look, it's the mid, we're looking to the mid-late 80s. Um, you'll get a little bit more dialogue, a little bit more text. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. And the way that people kind of speak to each other is a lot more informal, I think, than than what you get these days. Uh, I think these days readers are a little bit more savvy, Um and things don't seem necessarily as jocular as it can seem back in the eighties. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, same thoughts, I guess, Josh as well. It, it's um, it's very much you can pinpoint it as an eighties comic. Oh yeah, definitely. Like uh, like one of the let's just say like uh, the one of the big points of the the whole zodiac uh the zodiac sort of arc is like the the zodiac key yeah was like uh it's a it's a weapon used by um 
Scorpio, who is like the leader of the cartel yes. uh, of LMDs, but it's I guess it has its own it has its own consciousness or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, oh, I need to feed on conflict in order to yeah. to live or whatever. And I'm like, that is so stupid. <laughs> yeah, like thinking like modernly, but I yeah. guess back then it's like I guess it works. But I'm just like. This is this is so dumb. <laughs> yeah, I think um, yeah. Looking back on it, like retrospectively, as you say, look, it can be seen as like really dumb and silly, and it does. I mean, modern views definitely, but um, sometimes I think the uh, mechanics of what I guess Engelhart is trying to do can be a little, I guess you can say, convoluted, uh, a little too complicated for the fact. That, as you say, it's a zodiac key. This thing, it thrives on conflict. So you see at the end as well, um, uh, not at the end, it's, it's at issue 29, the uh, the Brotherhood, they they refuse to fight the Avengers because they're saying, look, if we, if we defeat you now, then there'll be no conflict later. So look, let's stop the battle here, which is at the realm of the Brotherhood, and we'll let you guys go. And uh, you just keep an eye out, like on Earth, because you know when you least expect it, we'll thrust the Zodiac key there, and you know it can kind of I don't know <laughs> feed off the conflict, and yeah, it's all a bit silly, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I, even Iron Man says towards the end, I don't know how to react to this. I think he says something along the lines of, I don't, you know, let's fight. You know, we're here. And uh, no one could really make sense of it. So uh, there is a bit of silliness um, as well. There's also, like, there's also a bit of drama in there. Uh, what did you think of, uh, and we'll get to it a lot with the references, but Bobby has this kind of burning secret that she wants to, to tell Hawkeye um, all the time, and she can't. Um, but this is a running... This is the thing that goes throughout the whole story, and it comes to the fact that she gets so guilty about it, she she needs to tell him out front. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect mm. of it because, um, yeah, because that's like that sort of seems like a very like real world kind of thing. Like she feels really guilty about it. She hasn't like she hasn't told Hawkeye about mm. what happened between her and the Phantom Rider, but as it goes on, she sort of like. She feels like, oh, I don't. I should I tell him? Should I not? Yeah. yeah. And even to the point where she starts getting advice from yeah. other people. Yes. Like even like interrupting Nick Fury while he's showering. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, you've killed a lot of people. Yeah. Do you yeah. ever feel guilty about it? Would you tell anybody about it? Like, well, what I so I, I can't. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what I loved about that was that he came out of the shower. What's the first thing he does? He puts a cigar in his mouth. <laughs> you see that? <laughs> Starts smoking away. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I interrupted you there. Um. But no, but I kind of I I like that, and then of course it's that it's like the like the classic where she finally decides to tell him, but the 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 of course at the time Hawkeye is a robot. Yeah, well that that was a <laughs> that was the thing I was about to say. What Engelhart does is that he kind of adds another layer to it as well. So she actually gets more and more guilty from the reaction of the LMD Hawkeye. You know, it's not even the real Hawkeye. Mm. So that's that's pretty. I thought that was a pretty fun bit of writing by having that. Like, so that's a miscommunication. That's a misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah, because she's like, yeah, because she's like, oh, I feel so guilty about this, but I'm finally gonna tell him. And he's just like, yeah. oh well, so what? So he killed somebody. <laughs> yeah, <who cares?"> exactly. <laughs> she goes, oh, he must be really mad at me. <laughs> you know, he's like, it's all this kind of passive aggressive. Um, you know, not really telling each other what they think and and all that. Um, 
Yeah. That 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 did lead to a fun moment. Like right after that, she's like goes to give him a shove to yeah. be like, Are you serious? Like that's but then like it makes like a clunk noise. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the like that's the onomatopoeia. I know. But then she's like clunk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I like that's a joke that only works in comics and yeah. no nowhere else. <laughs> it, it's so it's so silly, isn't it? Because like, you know, you've got an L L M D, a live model decoy, to the fact that it can actually replicate and persuade people that it is that person how could they not make it synthetic enough to make it feel like you know the tactile um quality of the lmd you know i found that hilarious how it's like this this looks and breathes and sounds and uh and talks like the real thing but if you touch it you're going to figure out that it's a robot (laughs) you know know what i mean it's pretty right yeah it's pretty funny um but yeah, so that's another thing as well with the writing. Uh, so Engelhart, he he, he um, introduces a lot of things in. His, so we've got that zodiac zodiac key, which admittedly towards the end is described um, by Iron Man. You get a bit of an exposition about it just towards the end. Um, I found that actually that was a bit weird, Josh. You notice um, Scorpio was trying to use it and it didn't want to be used. Like it didn't work. You know how he's going. He's trying shaking it and he, he wanted to use it. it. Didn't was that because of was that because of, there was a lack of conflict? Because they were right in the middle of battle, right? So that didn't really make sense. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe it was because if he would use the key, it would end the conflict, and oh. therefore it would cease to work, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. I was a little confused by it too. But that, even that, like from what you say, is really funny because it's like it's trying to nip it in the bud now because it will end conflict. But by doing that, you're depriving yourself of the conflict you know what i mean um yeah so it's a, anyway funny bit of writing there so uh we get this with the zodiac key we get the realm of the brotherhood which are these mysterious hooded men or priests that uh control the zodiac key uh the lmds so i find that it's always fun to have lmds in there um i found them a really fun use and we get two of them so we get obviously hawkeye was a big one um, but we get a second one, Josh, don't we? Yeah, we got uh, the end of issue 27. Mm. Yeah, 27. Um, it's revealed that Tigra is uh, is also an LMD, which that actually came as a as a shocking twist yes. to me. I did not see that coming. Yeah, me too as well. I thought that was a very clever bit, you know, because you'd, you'd expect, you know, just the one LMD done but immediately after actually they dispose of the lmd hawkeye uh mockingbird and tigra uh at the end of that issue you see her talking into her wrist and saying yep um they found the first one but they haven't got the second one i thought it was a very good a very good um twist i i did look at your notes further josh as well um i'm just going to jump straight to it because you mentioned something about you questioned whether it was the lmd tigra that kissed moon knight and whether the real Tigra likes Moon Knight or not. Um, I thought in at that night where she does kind of ambush him in the woods, I thought that was the real Tigra because I think it mentions later on that she got abducted shortly after that, I think. Um, so I think... She, I, yeah. I thought it was like he... Because it shows because he's standing outside and then like he sees someone move yep. like far away and then behind, and then she jumps out behind him. So I think he saw the original one in the distance and then that's when the L and B jumped in and started and started getting uh well, making out with him basically. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. I, I thought that flash was just her. Like she, she kind of circled around or something. But yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. No. Definitely could be. Um, look, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump here because that does trigger off one of the other points that I had. Uh, characterizations here, Josh. So this thing with Tigra uh, and Moon Knight. Um, you, you know, you're a custodian of the the classic era. So this this was a thing, right? So was this the beginning of it? Like, did Moon Knight have a relationship with Tigra in the West Coast Avengers? Uh, I I believe he was a furry. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they did have. Uh, I haven't read read that, but I, I think I remember like a, a while like reading like just along Moon Knight's Wikipedia that they did have a they did have a relationship mm-hmm. for a bit. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, that's, well, that's why I said it's like, in this, like, so that's why when I read this, no, like, keeping that in mind, I was like, oh, this is where it sort of starts, like, the romance between them. Mm. But then, but then, then actually, later on, I'm thinking, oh, no, right. that was, that was the L and D. But then that's why, uh, but that's why I, I wrote in my things that I was reading it word for word. But at this point, does the real Tigra want that MK dick? It's <laughs> like, at this point, does she, does she like him at this point? Yeah, or yeah. will that take place a little later? True. I guess you can also argue the point that if the LMD Tigra was, was um, created via the Zodiac Key, it's pretty much a walking, talking version of Tigra. So maybe it does parallel her true feelings. The moon oh, as well. that, that, that's a good point. Yeah, too. potentially. Um, yeah, so uh, which could then tie into obviously them having that relationship later on. I'm actually keen to explore what happens between them. Um, Tira seems to be a bit of a player. <laughs> I don't know if you get that sense. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, so uh, they're an odd couple to say the least. But um, I found them quite. Uh, it was quite fun to see them together in this little romp. Like even Moon, but, Moon Knight confides with her towards the end, right? Um, when she wants to just check if um, Taurus is telling the truth about reading the moon, about where they're going to be in the Denver Mint, and and oh, Moon Knight right. whispers to her. You remember that? And then and then um, mm-hmm. they reveal it, and Tigra goes, "Yep, yeah, man, you're spot on," because that's exactly what Moon Knight said. Yeah. So sorry, you you right. were about to say something. Oh, I was gonna say, but when you think about it, so uh, so Budai has Egyptian roots, mm-hmm. and he goes a cat lady. True. Oh yeah. What what do the Egyptians worship? Cats. Actually, so it, it kind of makes sense. That makes it... maybe conscious. Maybe conscious saying, "Yeah, go go hit that hit that cat lady." <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point, actually. Far out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there could be that. Yeah, that that. Um, what do you call it? The uh, instincts. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Plus, it's also it's all. I think it's also nice to see Moon Knight with somebody else besides Marlene. I mean, well, again, I mean, major- majority. I figure majority of comic book characters have multiple love interests, and I mean, we've only ever really seen him with Marlene, and that's it. So I yeah. think it's. I think it would be nice to see something a little different him with somebody else. Oh yeah, he's got a fair bit to go before he um, equals, say, the likes of Matt Murdock with uh, with his love oh, interests. Yeah. Uh, but you know, our Mooney, our boy's a particular sort, I guess. He does have those multiple identities running around in his head. So, uh, but yeah, I'd like to see him with, um, yeah, with someone else. Uh, but I do like Marlene as well. And and look, hey, also there is a connection as well. This does reference. Again, I'm jumping to our points about references. Uh, there is a reference to Fistaconchu, our volume two, 
uh, issue four, I believe it was. I don't think I put it. Oh, yeah, I did put it in there. Um, and apparently Marlene has recently left Mark. So that's kind of left him. And, and he mentions that to Tigra in the woods, saying, like, he's going through a lot of changes because um, she's talking about relationships. Right. So that's good. I do love how, you know, the continuity between titles was a lot tighter back in the 80s than it is, like, nowadays. Nowadays, it's almost, oh, yeah, non-existent. Yeah, definitely. Like, that, like, that's another reason why I don't really like modern comics as much because it's like, uh, like, just as an example, it's... Um, like so, if you if uh, like if you say you're reading Avengers or like the War of the Realms now, it's like Captain America's out there fighting yes. with all the other heroes. But then there's in his own book, he's in prison. Yes, it's like there needs to, like yeah, but yeah, you're right. Totally. Like back then, like they had the the editorial had the continuity really nailed down, not like it is today. Mm. I totally that's one of my pet peeves of the current comic books. Like, God, what was it? It was um, one of these other. I think it was Civil War Two or something. And I remember distinctly because I was collecting Doctor Strange at that time, and he's there in New York fighting these, you know, I can't remember what it was, celestial beings or something. I can't remember the event. But then reading his title, and he's, like, in another dimension, I'm going, no, the whole point is that you have a nice stitched, everything's connected. That's what kind of Feige says, doesn't he? So, uh, Yeah, it's uh, like, and not only it's like, I think that's a, it's, uh, maybe like a good challenge for the writer of that event. It's like, well, what characters are available? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write this event with those characters in mind. Not mm. like, well, yeah, like, yeah, Captain America's in prison, but he needs to be here fighting. It's like he doesn't need to be. You just want him yeah, there because exactly. Captain America is a popular hero. It's like, isn't that a, like, isn't like, don't you want to challenge yourself a little bit too? Yeah, like you don't need exactly. or like for for the same thing with War of the Realms. It's like. At the same time, the Spider-Man hunted storyline was going on. Yeah, when you know Central Park had the yeah, that's a great. That was a had really the, cool. I love that little arc. That was good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. But it's like, but the but it's like, okay, that's going on. Yep. Maybe you don't need Spider-Man War of the Realms. Then he's doing his own thing. Mm. It's like I, yep. I do think. I, yeah, I think editor editors need to be a little more, a uh, little more more firm on. By continuity like that with yeah. the writers. I, I think, and not only that, because I, I, you know, I understand that there are different editors and different departments. So there's almost like a silo mentality where, say, for instance, you know, the Spider-Man department under Nick Lowe, they should be talking to, um, you know, whatever the the whoever is editing the the big events, um, to make right. sure that there's consistency and, um, and continuity. Uh, but I guess Marvel is is quite big and it's busy, and the amount of titles they have, they've just lost their way a little with uh, coordinating, you know, continuity between departments, uh, which is a real shame because you know, that that's a big thing for me. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love Valiant. Uh, everything is so tightly, kind of written in together. It's it's really good. But anyway, um, having said that, with the character, let's jump to characterizations, Joss, because I want you to go through your points. Um, so, looking at characterizations about Moon Knight, about any of the other characters, um, are they true to character? Uh, are there any new takes or new ways that characters are depicted? Uh, what, what have you got on your your notes here? Uh, well, I only have one thing for Moon Knight because mm-hmm. you cover you you have a lot on your list, yep. and you pretty much got it at all the big stuff. But I just the only thing I have is that. Mark reveals his identity pretty quick to his teammates, yes. which is kind of 
like shocking to me because there's like uh like there's that one scene where they're just him and i think hawkeye or yep. and is it uh, bob, uh, bob mockingbird, mockingbird yeah yeah like they're just driving around just out of costume talking i'm like that like that's like to me like that's that's weird like i always thought that that mark would be like he'd keep like he'd be part of the team but he'd be like separate like in his own room or yeah. doing his own thing not like chilling outside a costume with the rest of them yeah this is one of the points um i guess with moon knight the way he's depicted he very much and it's, it's shown very early on in in issue 25 actually as a, a little subplot um he's shown really wanting to join the west coast avengers whereas i don't know josh about yourself but to me he always seems to want to be a lone wolf in in any other kind of series that we've done so when you you're saying that he reveals that surprised me as well that he he reveals his identity to them pretty openly um to me that's something that from what i understand moon knight wouldn't really wouldn't really do he'd keep to himself if anything um yeah so i think i think it's because so like i said like the physical country run it's only uh, like six issues um but i think with that like it Changed him to the point where he sort of, I think, where he wants to change like how he was, uh, with me, like how he was before, That's because, true. because like I said, because all that stuff, like with Marlene leaving him and stuff, and, and she leaves him because of all like the identity stuff and whatever. And, but that also, like, they, they, I think they show it as like a flashback to like the end of like the, like the volume one. Mm-hmm. So I think at this point, he's in the like this transitional stage where he's like, well, I'm gonna, like, I have like a new costume, I have some new powers and stuff. Yeah. I'm not really dealing with, I mean, a bit with the personalities, but not as much as I used to be before. I was by myself except for Frenchie before, so now I'm going to try to do something different with myself. Yeah. I, I think that's why he's doing that. Right, okay. Okay, so that makes, so there is a little bit of something in Fist of Conchie with ex, which kind of explains that. Is that right? Because I haven't read that in ages, so I can't remember. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I think it's it's just like that yeah. issue, that um that run was just a little like transitional yeah. period, and that then this is what it kind of leads to, yeah. and he's just continuing from that. Yeah, because it kind of actually that that is repeat. It reminded me um, in Mark Spector Moon Knight, he does that again, like in in and around the JMD Mateus run of the Scarlet Redemption, where he kind of reneges the way that he has been handling himself as a hero. And he becomes almost like a. Do you remember that where he becomes almost like a, a negotiator? He doesn't use physical violence. He kind of talks the criminals out of their crimes instead. Oh, yeah. Right. He tries to be a bit more passive. Um, so it kind of it reared its head again in Mark Spector Moon Knight. But uh, yeah, over here certainly, um, we, if you do the notes I had here, if it um, if you do compare it to. Um, how Moon Knight is compared to Fist of Conchu, there are some consistencies and, and some not quite so. I mean, his costume is fairly consistent. He's got the uh, the gold, like the belt and the, the bracelets and stuff, and he's got the um, the weaponry, uh, the Egyptian kind of relics to throw at and stuff. Um, his power set, so his key power set, um, which I do like, they do make a nod to it because um, he for much of it, for much of this whole arc, you don't see it, which is surprising. Uh, I would have thought they would have, you know, there were many battles in here, Josh. There were many action scenes, but you never actually see him describe 
how he's a lot stronger because it's a full moon or anything like that. Um, He notes in issue 29 in the realm of the Brotherhood um, how his lunar energy has has depleted or has gone, similar to the zodiacal energy that all the the LMDs had been running off uh, when they, you know, how how they shut down. So there's a little nod to that. Um, But uh, uh, was there another one I had here? No. Oh, yeah, and also in issue 30, I thought that was really cool, that the last issue, uh, so I guess this is a hats off to Al Milgram who wrote, who wrote it. I love that bit, Josh, where he actually, so in that last issue where all the each of the Avengers fight the Examiner, or whatever it's called, um, he draws on the powers of all the moons um around him because that that realm that they're at or the planet that they're on has multiple moons and Conchu tells him you get your power from the moon like look around you you got moons everywhere just and and he goes he goes batshit he goes crazy you say well he's just laughing maniacally and he jumps onto the examiner and he starts bashing him and i'm not sure whether it's just because he's crazy that the guy that the examiner's going, what the hell's going on here? Okay, I I um I surrender, or whether he actually does get the power of the moon. I love that ambiguity. Yeah, hmm. I mean, I mean, it it is convenient that where they're at just happens to be surrounded by a whole bunch of moons and not a whole bunch of suns. Because yeah. if not, like, because because that's when I was originally thinking, I'm like, oh, I know how this is gonna go. This is gonna be everyone else beats it, and then. <laughs> Uh, beats that robot, and then uh, Moon Eyes could be one, be the one to fuck it up. Yeah. So, that, so that's uh, that's what, that's originally what I thought. Okay. But then, no, he's he's the one that pretty much handled it pretty much the best, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't know how he was going to handle it because all the other Avengers are way more powered than him. Um, arguably, have got more skill. But I, I like that little surprise um, with the writing. How yeah, Conchie just comes up and a little hark back because. Um, it reminded me of that previous trade arc that we did, Josh, of uh, Lost in Time uh, Space, um, where you do see Conchu and you see all the little moons when he, I think he talks to Hawkeye back in the... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and so the same, obviously the same artists, um, but you got the same aesthetic there when Conchu talks to uh, to Moon Knight. Um yeah, have you got uh, so any other characterizations there, Josh, that you've uh, you've pinpointed? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, well, uh, with like the LMDs, like they like the Hawkeye LMD. I think everyone should have been able to figure out because yeah. he was way more <laughs> of a prick than he usually is. I mean, you don't have to. You shouldn't have to. Like, it should have been to the point where she pushes him and, and feels the metal like. Like, I shouldn't yeah. have got that far that he's wrong, especially when he's like, oh, no, we're going to, uh, was it they're like, oh, we're going to, oh, because the, um, the, the, the Zodiac cartel, they're going to attack Philadelphia. Well, that's right next to where the East Coast Avengers are. Just have them go there. No, no, no. We're going to go, we're going to go all the way across yeah, the country yeah, yeah. to do that. It's like, yep. doesn't that raise an eyebrow or something? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and even the little things, like when he first arrives back at the mansion, doesn't he walk off in the wrong direction? <laughs> like, and like they're all going, hang on, isn't his quarters with, with Mockingbird, you know, on the east wing? Oh, Why yeah, is he walking yeah. west? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he's kind of almost given the game away there. But, um, yeah, but Hawkeye himself, yeah. I think, was, was pretty consistently written. I think um, he's kind of like the... 
kind of the flawed leader, right? Uh, he did actually very much remind me of, not to the same extent, but like the modern-day Hawkeye. Um, not entirely... Um, I was about to say, not entirely dependable. I don't want to say that, because he's pretty good at using the, the bows and arrows. But he... Um, yeah, I, I guess he loses his call a bit as a leader. Like, he's not your Captain, yeah. he's not your Captain America... Um, so, yeah, I, I thought maybe, I thought, I thought Hawkeye himself was pretty good. Yeah, he actually has a pretty cool fight scene at the start of, uh, yeah. I think it's 27, yet where he's just walking down the street, yes. like the first day, like just the opening splash of him walking down the street, and then just all the Zodiac guys are just peeking around the corners yeah. and stuff, but well, ha- he actually takes out, he does, he actually takes out, like, half of them before they overcome them. You're right, yeah. He, well, he's, take, he's taken down by the Hawkeye LMD. That's right. Yeah, you're, you're right, actually. He's quite um, capable. He taking out the, nearly the whole Zodiac site. Um, and let's not forget as well, while was he walking down the street, he was watching repeat like repeated viewings of Simon Williams's Arkin. Arkin Six. Oh yeah, his movie. <laughs> yeah, saying oh yeah, um, I shouldn't let Wonder Man know that I've actually seen his movie a few times. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I like the humor. Actually, speaking that, speaking of humor, Josh, I like the humor in this whole run. One of the things that really got me laughing was in issue thirty. Um, you know the aliens, the Sleeks, and uh, and you know how um, the Examiner gets defeated each time, but he gets kind of reanimated. And then you get those sleeves going, you know, just reanimate, uh, recalibrate, and there's that little guy going, yep, okay, okay, um, you know, <laughs> compliance. But there's a, there's uh, a bit where the, you know, it's going into overdrive a bit, and the guy's pushing him to go reanimate, reassemble. Ah, it's going to blow. And then he starts swearing in alien language. <laughs> yeah. And they had to even make it a little editor. Editor's it's name, like, yeah. Uh, un- yeah, uh, uh, unprintable alien language or something like that. Yeah. No, that was pretty funny. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. So the, the humor, writing-wise, the humor was, was, I think, really good. Um, I, I like I like the one where they're at the um, they're at the cattle oh, like yeah, lodge that. thing and like they bust in and all the the cows get loose and the guy's like holy cow it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like you know that he was just grinning when he was writing yeah, that on the script yeah. it's so <laughs> it's so cringeworthy and not only that as well um, what is the form of intimidation that Scorpio does like he kills a cow. Like, like as they kind of enter, he goes, "You think I'm not serious?" And oh yeah, and he kills a cow. <laughs> I'm thinking, "Oh, geez, you know." It's like, guess what? They're probably getting sold off to be killed. Exactly. Anyway, so no one here is shocked. Exactly. It was a very odd place to to have the Zodiac turn up at a a breeder's cattle auction um, in Wichita. It's it's weird. <laughs> anyway, going back to characterizations, Josh. Um, I've just got a few other things here from for Moon Knight, which I'm sure you've picked up as well. Um, so in this run as well, which is a point of difference, I think, is that um, there's this connection that Moon Knight has with Taurus because they are both kind of connected to the moon through astrology. Um, so what I found here, which is new to me, and look, I'm totally open that other future writers of Moon Knight will add this into Moon Knight's canon, is that he's pretty good at astrology. <laughs> and... Uh, and he knows how to read, obviously, the moon, and he knows what's what's happening. The astrology in here, Josh, with the zodiac, it's almost like um, um, fortune telling, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like where you re- you read like your your horoscope, yeah. 
and stuff like yeah because um like because when they first did that uh like when they first because i never i never really heard about this like like mm. this is the first time i've seen the zodiac which i actually think like it's a, it's a good kind of cabal of villains to use like mm. as like they like their gimmick i think it's pretty good but then i was only thinking of it like I wasn't thinking of in like the like astrology, like with the astrology point of mm-hmm, view. Mm-hmm. I was only thinking of the like the thing you read in the paper, and it's like, oh, yes. someone important is going to come into your life this week if you were born yes. if you were born in June or something like that. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, they're going by the by the um, the constellations and stuff. Yeah. And actually, I th- and I'm like, oh, you know what? That's actually a pretty interesting gimmick, and I think that works. I think Moon Knight going up against that. I think actually that's a that's a good. That's actually a pretty smart idea, to be honest. Yeah. And you would think that he would have that astrology connection because he has, especially in this era where he's sort of powered by yeah. the phases of the moon. Yeah. It makes sense that he would have knowledge of all that kind of astrology stuff. Oh no, yeah. I think it's. I think it's a very interesting point to do. It's. It's uh, a, a Tigra actually. There's a word, uh, a thought bubble, and she's kind of going, "Look, you know, I can handle magic and all that," and. Uh, but astrology, you know, this is a bit weird. Like, no one even knows much about Moon Knight. Uh, but he he proves himself with it. I mean, because Taurus uses it himself. Taurus uses it to predict, apparently, where the Zodiac will be turning up next, and he does it twice. First one, he, he predicts that they'll be at the Breeders' um, Cattle Auction, <laughs> for some reason. And the, other, <laughs> the next time, he, he predicts that they'll um, be hitting a mint, and he calls it Denver Mint, um, Moon Knight... Somehow, with his astrological knowledge as well, figures it out, uh, and it's because of that that um, that Taurus has some credibility because you know Moon Knight vouches that it's correct. The only downside of this that we see in this series is that um, Moon Knight really is wrong, though, in the fact of trusting Taurus. Like Moon Knight puts his faith in astrology. He says it in issue twenty six. Um, and therefore, he gives his faith to Taurus because Taurus is a um, what is is a follower of astrology. So Moon Knight vouches um, for the team for Taurus, uh, vouches for Taurus to the team, uh, and you even have Taurus saying, "What an idiot! Like this guy's <laughs> trusting me because of some moon garbage." Um, so that, that's a bit of a downfall, I think. But yeah, a very interesting. Um, a very interesting aspect of Moon Knight, which I reckon could be could be potentially explored further. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that would be that would be a cool thing for them to uh, to include later down the road. Because I mean, they haven't really done anything with it since. I don't think. No, no, not at all. Um, the other things I've got here as well for Moon Knight again with characterization, his lone wolf mentality. Look, Josh. 29 issue 29 pretty much showed that um he he got berated by hawkeye at the end for going out on his own and taking down taurus uh that was a fun issue um i've I've always got to laugh at van lunt Uh, he he just looks so awkward you know Uh, i'd prefer he keeps the the bull head on his on his head yeah Uh, either that or get a haircut you know seriously it's uh (laughs) i do like how like so he's has like uh uh, like a pretty like round like roundish head I guess. <laughs> but then he puts on that he puts on that bull mask yeah. but like with like the snout of the bull it goes out like yeah. two feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But somehow it still has all his facial expressions. I mean that's oh, a thing yeah. like with comics. Oh, <laughs> I mean they... <laughs> you just put you just you have a little bit of disbelief for that. It's like yeah. 
Because a lot of those, it's like, how does the green, like the Green Goblin mask does that too somehow. Yes. Even though it has, it has eyes and a mouth on it. Yeah. But then it works with it. But yeah, <laughs> I just find it funny because it's like, there, his, his, like the eyes on the mask are like a foot away from him, yet they still work still, with Yeah. Him. They still work with his. <laughs> and, and it makes, it makes for translating onto the screen if ever he was to be in a film very difficult. Because look what they did with the Green oh, Goblin, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, also, just a couple of other things here, quickly for Moon Knight. Um, characterization in issue 25, the very first one. Uh, but you actually covered it, Josh. You told, uh, you mentioned it. Uh, he, in effect, relieves Frenchie of his duties um, and in lieu of becoming a West Coast Avenger. But as you mentioned, he, he wants to try something new. He's trying to trying to go in a different direction so that maybe that explains it. I, I thought when I initially read it, that's really weird because aren't they real... Like, aren't they really tight as mercenary buddies? Um, but Frenchie nonchalantly goes, yep, yeah, okay, you don't want my services, I'm going to go somewhere else. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I actually I actually really don't like that inclusion, that, like, that Engelhart was smart enough to realise uh, that Frenchie is, like, a supporting character of Mark instead of just, well, I'm just not going to include him. Mm. So, like, we're, like, so us as readers, I was like, well, what's going on with, like, with Frenchie? Oh, I like yeah. how he acknowledges it and is That's like, true. and has him talk and be like, "Yeah, I'm going to do this for a while, so you can go off and do whatever you want for now." Well, yeah, that's true. So he doesn't he does acknowledge it, um, and it's it's not something it's not a loophole that the fans will go, "Look, you just ignored him." So it's good that he did address it. Um, that's cool. Um, yeah, and the last one I had here was issue thirty. Uh, so again, Josh, I'm sure you've read Fisikonchu a lot more recently than I have as well. Uh, there's this thing, I, th- I thought he was, didn't he usually talk to, weren't there three priests, like astral priests that he talked to that were responsible for giving him his moon powers? Or was that? Yes, there was. Okay, so he, um, he didn't talk directly to Conchu, did he, ever? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I've I've read it in the past like year, but yeah. I've read so much yeah. else, and it's sort of like it's sort of pushed out. I mean, I do remember the priests, and they did give him the the powers and all the equipment and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but no, no, you're right because I think they, I think if they ever needed to talk to him, they he would like teleport there or something, and they then they would talk, and then you'd go back to where he needed to be. Yeah, but yeah. oh, but you know, but you know what? In, in this in the the one issue, I think they say it's the first time that he's ever talked to him face to face, quote unquote. Oh, okay, <laughs> right, right. I forget which issue it is, but yeah, but yeah, but they say yeah, this is like the first time that they, that he's that he, he they've talked to one another. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Um. Anyway, so those were my points uh, for the characterizations. Overall, Josh, um, uh, did Moon Knight justice? Do you reckon Engelhart did Moon Knight justice? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I I enjoyed seeing him sort of work with the team, but then, um, but yeah, but then like like I said, twenty nine I think is a uh, twenty nine I think is pretty much just a Moon Knight solo issue, with yeah. just a couple cameos of the of the, of the West Coast Avengers. Yeah. But I, I do think, and uh, yeah, like you said, Hawkeye berates from going and doing that solo because he goes after Taurus and uh, defeats him. But like you said, I think it's sort of a connection to where you said how 
he like he put his faith in Taurus to sort of follow him and believe him with because of the whole astrology thing. Mm-hmm. But then when that leads to him like escaping, he's like, oh well, I sort of yes am responsible for him escaping, so I'm going to go take him down my way. And actually, that's that's a pretty decent justification, I reckon, like for, of Moon Knight to to have done yeah. that. So it's his responsibility, yeah, for sure. No, actually, that actually gives it a lot more um, credence for for Moon Knight. That's a that's a good point, Josh. Um, look, let's just jump back to the writing um, aspects of it, Josh, because I want you to go through your um, your notes. Uh, yeah, so with the writing, as we said, it's um, it's done in a very fun eighties way. A lot of action scenes, um, you know, a lot of things happening. Uh, yeah, what else kind of stood out for you in the writing, Josh? That uh, okay? Well, the issue twenty-five, so the first story. Uh, I actually think it's, it's a. I, I enjoyed seeing like Simon Williams mm, as a yeah, me too. So like, as a celebrity, like a movie star, but he's also a super. It's sort of like it's sort of like what Tony Stark sort of became in the MCU, yeah. where he's. Uh, yeah, he's like a celebrity superhero. So I, I enjoyed that where he's going out and at his movie premiere and doing all these stunts and stuff to to kind of get everybody pumped up for the movie. Mm. Um, so I, I, I thought that was actually pretty fun. Yeah, I, I really like I like Wonder Man. I think I like him in this era where he's got that suit, I, I, his suit of the black, the black suit with the red W and the jet pack. And the, yeah, and the red eyes and the red eyes really they yeah. they do look real. Where I think when we did it when we did the previous arc. Mm. I didn't really didn't really pay much attention, but I think Dustin and his are he was saying how they were sort of uh, unsettling. Yeah. Now I really see it. I'm like, oh god, yeah, those eyes are really they uh, they, they really put me off. Yeah, because <laughs> they're, they're not just red, right? Uh, you can imagine the way it's drawn. It's kind of like um, not pulsating, but there's it's just constantly kind of. It's like a void. Yeah. Like his eyes are like a void <laughs> yeah. of just red energy it's really yeah, weird pure, i think he's a great character pure ionic energy he can go toe-to-toe with the hulk um he's pretty much he's close to him i think the way they write him now he's kind of close to immortal because he's not really got a human form like he's got a human form but he's really made up of ionic energy um and so he doesn't need to eat he doesn't need to breathe you know all that sort of stuff um and he's got like near limitless strength he's, he's a pretty big hitter actually and and um and i think Sorry, just again, I'm just jumping a bit. I saw one of your notes saying the rivalry, ironically, the rivalry with Iron Man, like you're talking about his celebrity status. Um, that's one of the things, isn't it? That kind of continuing thread that Engelhart always works on, how Iron Man and Wonder Man seem to not like each other too much. Yeah, well, it wasn't as prominent in this one mm. as it was in the, in the previous one. Oh, it was. Like, in the other yeah. one, it's like like... They're just punching villains and uh, like like they're like they're each taking a villain and Wonder Man would just look over his shoulder and be like yeah fuck you Iron Man I'm the leader and then just like just like throughout the entire thing it's yeah. not it's not as it's not really prominent here like at all aside I think there's one there's one scene in that in the issue 25 when Tony goes to Wonder Man's like room and he's like he's not here why isn't he here past the curfew right. it's like dude yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> like you've got an abs- come, like he's yeah. a, He's a movie star. Yeah. It's like, why? Why do you care? He's a grown ass man. Why do you care? Yeah. You've, got, but, you've got an unhealthy uh, obsession with him. It's, uh, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But in and, and this arc, I think those two, like, they were actually kind of boring. Like, I think they were out of all of them. I think they were the least like well characterized, mm. or maybe not. Maybe not one rebel Iron Man definitely, but he has I, his own book at the time, so I think it's okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think Iron Man not really utilized that much here. Look, he saves Moon Knight in issue twenty nine. 
from falling while Moon Knight's, you know, <laughs> lovingly just, uh, you know, wishing to be swallowed up into the void <laughs> that is death, I guess. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, but uh, issue 25 was good. You, you get actually a good sense of Wonder Man, and I'm not sure if you've read just the 90s run of the Wonder Man comics. It was really fun. Um, it was his... I have the first I have the first issue. Oh, ah, right, I excellent. I enjoyed it when I read it. Yeah, it, it, it does, like, you know, with some 90s comics, it does get a little wordy um, as well, but uh, it's still a lot of fun seeing him Simon's exploits in Hollywood. I wish they have another series of, of Wonder Man. I think he's, he's he's a pacifist now. I think, which is a bit silly. But anyway, yeah. Um. Anyway, also, uh, yeah, we talked about the Zodiac Key. Um, it, it thrives on conflict, as you're saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, um, if we jump to the the issue thirty, <laughs> yeah. Which I know everyone. I'm sure people. I'm sure everyone like that. Like that issue stands out because of the uh, cover. <laughs> <laughs> the cover's hilarious. Of, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, well, when I first saw that, I'm like, oh god, what is this going to be about? Oh god, yeah. And then, um, like, and then as we read it, like, out of all the issues, that one was like my least favorite. Just cause, oh, right. Uh, I, I I thought it was. I mean, I get it, sort mm. of. Um, but like I said, it sort of it reminds me of like a, vi- a video game boss fight when you have like a group of characters and it's yeah. like, okay, you go in, defeat him. Like, okay, you defeat the boss, but then you get knocked to the side. Okay, yeah. now the next character can go and fight him. Like, yeah. uh, that it, doesn't really do oh, it for me. It's <laughs> really, for me, it's really, uh, I enjoyed it because, but it's really on the nose. And it's again, again, a, a kind of thing of the time. It's really pandering for me to, you know, the, the, the fans that, just want to see each of the characters' power sets and see how they, you know, and see them fight in action. And, and that's all it was. It was just pandering to to show the the fans some action. Uh, exactly as you say, I think it was it's like a boss fight. Um, but there were some interesting ways that um, that they each handle it. And what it actually told me is that the examiner is a real piss poor fighter because he gets defeated how many times like four or five times like not uh, one well there's like seven members, seven of them so... yeah he gets beaten yeah, so seven times not once does he win it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous um yeah but it was a little bit of fun to see each of them in uh, come into their own and again like i said i just loved how moon knight just went cray cray and just freaking maniacally laughing and just bashing <laughs> examiner <laughs> I, I did not expect that at all um yeah uh, and I, I just have written here. Like, I'll read it word for word. The slugs couldn't successfully invade oh, yeah. on their best day. Let's be real here. Like, yeah. if the scrolls and Cree couldn't do it, the slugs couldn't do it. Even if there wasn't any superheroes <laughs> on Earth, <laughs> I think it's safe to say that this was the first and last time we ever saw the slugs in Marvel Marvel Definitely. Universe. Uh, not the best. Um, look, look, admirable ideas of of getting uh, some mechanical bugs to go out and to capture some specimens and to test. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with testing things out, but uh, they just haven't got the they haven't got the ability or the know how to actually follow through. So the sleeves were pretty, and they even have their own supreme intelligence as well. Did you see that? Some god awful sludge. Yeah, I mean, I but I do. Uh... My favorite part, though, of the issue was at the very end where they're like, okay, so we have the, um, we have, like, the results of all the examination, and it's pretty combined, and this is what we think every single 
person on earth looks like and it's just it's just that monstrosity that's on the cover and i was like oh, okay that's that's actually pretty funny and, and that is like funny. oh we're not gonna evade earth we're gonna we're not even gonna go anywhere near yeah. it it's like that, that was actually pretty funny it, do, do, do you think that was intentional like do you think that was meant to just look ridiculously over the top was that i think yeah? i i think he drew the cover first yeah. I, I think he drew i think he drew that just as a joke and it's okay. like because um, because because issue thirty, that one was written by Al yes. Hogan. That wasn't by Steve Engel. Yeah. So I think I think he drew that just for fun, and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna make a story. <laughs> so that's like the punchline of it. That and that's I think the story we got. Yeah, that that would be a good, um, you know, truth, a reason for it. Uh, the more, unfortunately, the more tragic truth would be if they all said in the Marvel bullpen. Shit, that looks like a really cool character. <laughs> you know, why don't you put that on the front cover? You know, and and they sincerely meant that that looked really awesome at the end. That would have been a little tragic because, yeah, tastes have definitely changed. Um, no, I, no, I'm pretty sure that what you said. That's probably really, probably yeah. Probably. Oh god, that's terrible. <laughs> that, that, I mean, I mean, like I like I think like the way I said it, where he drew it first yeah. and then was like, "Oh, look at this! I'm going to make a story." So. So this can be, so this is what the outcome yeah. is, but no, but probably what you said it's it was probably the same thing where he just did it for fun, and they were like, "Oh my god, that looks so awesome!" <laughs> like, yeah, oh, like dear. we should do something with that. Yeah, deary me. Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, it's uh, there for posterity, um, and you can judge for yourself, <laughs> um, loony listeners. Uh, actually, one of them, I think, Adam Prine mentioned in we'll get to our mini missives chonky chonky indeed <laughs> indeed um look other little bits of writing here i want to get to the artwork but a little bit interesting things i thought was quite interesting was a way that Engelhart handled the constant deaths of jake fury and how he explained that and uh, so we know in this arc that jake fury is an lmd himself um, but he almost kind of, with the Zodiac Key, gets reborn in a sense. Each time his consciousness gets reborn. He he mentions something about this is the destiny of the Scorpio to be reborn each time. Um, and I thought that was pretty a, a pretty nifty way of maybe addressing it because uh, in the Defenders run, he most definitely was dead. I mean, like he, he, he offed himself um, before Nick Fury could get to him. So that would be a pretty hard thing to explain, but I think I think uh, Engelhart handled it pretty well. Yeah, I think that's like that's a good like I guess in story logical way to sort of like have a villain that dies and then comes back because mm. I mean villains do that all the yeah. time where you know they fall off a cliff they fall off a cliff that's filled with jagged rocks it's like oh they're definitely dead but then like yeah. ten issues later they're back it's like well I guess we can just assume but like at least here he sort of gives them a. Like he gives it a reason to why it. Yeah, he keeps coming back. I mean, it would be better if he was a more compelling villain that, and maybe bigger villain in the universe. Yeah, that would make him more formidable. But true. I mean, I guess he's sort of maybe he's not big, but he is. Like I like I didn't know that Nick Fury had a brother. Like I didn't know that. So no, me too. Um, so he sort of is, he he has relations to a big character. So I mean, he's got he has that going for him. I yeah, guess. he's got a lot of potential. I mean, because of his link to Nick Fury, I think, and and as you say, I think he's got the potential of being something bigger as well. Um, so I'm not sure whether he's popped up 
you know, in latter runs or not, Jake Fury slash Scorpio, but that'll be interesting to, to find out because, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to gauge him now in the in these these issues because it's the 80s issues and everything's a little, you know, hammy and, and overblown. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he, he pops up later on. So let's go to the to the art then, Josh. Um, a lot of it is very very consistent, I think. Um, Milgram's art. Are you, do you like his work? His artwork or? Um, well, this is really the only like these Avengers West Coast. That's the only thing I really read. Uh, uh, seen him draw. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I like his writing because he wrote Ron Robin. Um, but I, I think it's pretty standard for the time. I don't think it's. I don't think it's you know, excellent or great, mm. but I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, as you say, I think of the time, um, I don't, we don't get kind of art like this anymore. I actually do like it. It's got a, a particular charm to it. And it's funny, he's a talented guy because you mentioned he wrote, uh, he wrote issue 30 and uh, and Ran Robin, you said as well. Um, but he also uh, inked one of my favourite runs as well, which was at Peter David's All New, All Different X Factor. I didn't realise he inked um, all of Larry Stroman's work there. Uh, and the art... Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a he's a multi-threat guy. Yeah. He, he's written pencil and inked, so... Yeah. Yeah, he's very talented. Very good. Um, very good indeed. But um, yeah, standard for the time you're saying... Um, what else? The, the Zodiac members, they have different designs? Yeah. Well, I would say... Of the L, the uh, the LMDs, mm-hmm. like I think they all look have pretty neat and unique designs to their like to their appointed yes. like gimmick, like uh, like obviously Taurus is a bull, yeah. um, uh, Aquarius is like a fish kind of thing, like because there's a at, at the very at the start of the arc they're just the humans yeah. and they're so and they, they and their designs are pretty dumb but they're supposed to because they're going to be killed yeah. off. But I think all the LMD designs. For the Zodiac members, I think, they, I think they're all pretty cool. They're pretty good, um, and they actually are consistent with um, the LMD. I mean, Scorpio talks about it as well. The the first, the LMD Zodiac iteration, who fought the Defenders when Moon Knight was in the Defenders, um, because I definitely recognise um, Virgo and Gemini, um, and I, I believe Taurus is exactly the same, um, and maybe Ares as well. Uh, the the goat the the archer, um, very similar to designs to that of the the run in the defenders as well. So um, yeah, so obviously they're very proud of the designs whoever designed them, um, and they use them again. Yeah, and then uh, I would say the uh, yeah the issue twenty nine cover one with Moon Knight <laughs> with just Moon Knight. I think that one's probably the best of all of them. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, yeah. I mean, the other ones aren't too much. To, I do like Twenty Five. I mean, just the Wonder Man and Abomination. Uh, I mean, in the scheme of things, Twenty Five doesn't really add too much to this whole arc if you treat these six issues as an arc. Uh, but I thought that was pretty good. No, I, I'd probably agree with you as well. Yeah, Twenty Nine was was pretty good uh, art wise. Uh, I thought with issue thirty within it. Um, in addition to the monstrosity that was a composite Avenger, I don't know if you got the same feeling. Page one, um, there, Josh. Unfortunately, I don't think Milgram 
you know, we've been lauding him, but I don't think he could draw children probably. They just look like miniature adults, don't they? I mean, like... Uh, I'm looking at it right now, and yeah, you're right. Like, they are... Like, they are... T- like, <laughs> he's maybe, like, the size of uh, <laughs> Wonder Man's, like, biceps. <laughs> or tri- Like, his upper arm. Yeah. Like, that's, like, that's, like, the size of... The, like the size, of, yeah, it looks really they're, weird. They're, they're <laughs> imps, like you know, they're they're, they're the size of newborn babies, and they shouldn't be, you know, flicking through pages and laughing and, you know, carrying on. It's uh, yeah, so scale problems there. Although the only thing yeah. I, the only thing I could say I could defend it is technically they're not real. That's true. Yeah, be- absolutely. <laughs> That's the only thing I could sort of defend it because they're just yeah. what are they? They're they're just uh, creations of. Uh, Wanda, Wanda's, I yeah, think. that's true. Yeah. That is true. Uh, and, and look, but who's going to tell Wanda and Vision, eh? You don't want to be on the uh, <laughs> uh, the sticky end of that, uh, right? So yeah, and also yeah, just a little aside. Wonder Man's hair, just friggin', that's just that's that's gold. <laughs> <laughs> gold right there. Uh, that's definitely a 1980s model. Oh, there. it is. <laughs> it's in all its <laughs> in all its glory. Uh, that's really all I've got from art. You've got a couple of. Um, a couple of any points, any more points there, Josh? Uh, well, I just said again about the composite uh, Avenger. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when I saw it in story, that I, I chuckled out loud mm-hmm. when they when the yeah. with the reaction of like the Slig Supreme Intelligence. I thought that was that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, the only thing I have here is that issue twenty nine, Taurus is uh, trying to get away from Moon Knight and the cops, mm-hmm. and then Moon Knight appears on a Sky Cycle, yeah. like the same one that Hawkeye uses, and he looks ridiculously stupid yeah, that that is <laughs> i think it's the cape the cape it's too it, it just looks weird yeah i don't know the, the, don't the know. sky cycle <laughs> to me is always i've always found that a little weird um but yeah to see moon Knight on it, it just I, I prefer him on a rope ladder <laughs> or something you yeah know, or, or even i mean even his moon copter is a monstrosity around this time isn't it it's uh you can't win who yeah um, it's it's it, it's like the shape of like a crescent yeah. moon and then it has like a little, like, uh, cockpit sticking out of it. It looks really yeah. weird. They really needed to get a an object designer or or a, a car, um, you know, vehicle designer, um, rather than leave it to the the artists because around this time there were some shockers. Uh, but yeah, the Sky Cycle, um, the only dorky kind of vehicle I I kind of like is the the Fantastic Car. I think that I think that's still yeah. is pretty cool, although it is very dorky. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, we've got uh, just finally, I guess, Josh, uh, some references to other runs. So as we mentioned before, uh, Engelhart is very much attuned to what else is happening in the Marvel universe. Uh, as I, I mentioned before, there's a, a nod to Fist of Conchu issue four um, with. Marlene leaving Mark, so that's consistent. Uh, there's also, um, yeah, there's also a thing which I I didn't pick up at all from Werewolf by Night thirty two. So Moon Knight actually began in Los Angeles. I didn't realize that, um, and that actually yeah, I don't remember no. that. I don't remember mentioning that in there, but it's been a while since I read yeah, that. Yeah, so me too. Maybe they did, but that's pretty cool because obviously the, the ties he has with West Coast Avengers. And then if you look at the Bendis run as well, that was set in L.A., he, he certainly has ties with the West Coast. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I, I thought that was a pretty nifty um, note that it actually all started 
for him in Los Angeles. Uh, which, which, uh, like, if we ever do get Moon Knight in some sort of media, I kind of hope they do put it like in LA instead, yeah. or even like maybe like Chicago, because oh. I think she, he's originally from Chicago. Yes. Like that way, not everybody is in New York, yeah. and then you have these questions like, well, why don't they run into each other? Yeah. It's like I, I think Moon Knight has been like he has so many ties to LA in comic form. I think yeah. they can just have him based out there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe allude him to being in New York in the past and then have him come here yeah. or something like oh, that. I'm absolutely with you. I, I'd like to see... I, I tend to lean towards him in Chicago. I'd like to see him in Chicago, but, um, yeah, either or. Um, uh, Los Angeles, L.A. Or, or Chicago would be good. Um, yeah, over New York, for sure, because there's just too many of them in there already. So, yeah. uh, so other references, Josh, that you've got listed here? Uh, yeah, so... Um... Pretty much all the ones I have, they're all editors and those throughout. And actually, one I don't have on the list um, is actually there were two annuals that are also included in like the trade paperback of this. Oh, okay. Um, but I, but I figured they weren't really that annuals never really tie into the main storyline anyway. Yeah. So um, don't really include it. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's annual number. I think it's a oh, crap. Is it one or two? I think it's the second annual of West Coast Avengers. Okay. Um, and then I think it's Avengers Annual, like, 19, I think. I don't, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, okay, but, yeah, um, yeah. But they do, but they do list it. But I think it's like them, like, they go to meet up with the East Coast Avengers for a baseball, like a, like a oh, baseball yes. game between yep, them. Yep. And then, they, and then something happens. Yeah. <laughs> and not really important. I mean, that could potentially be another, something you cover on a, uh, an episode yeah. at a later date if you really want to. Yeah. Um, I mean, rightly, as you say, those annuals are pretty much self-contained, aren't they? Because, you know, I think they want people to buy them and not have to worry about, you know, where it leads to, unless they drop a carrot somewhere and want you to pick up something else. Yeah, and annuals were, um, were actually, I'm only because I just heard somebody else say this yesterday, I'll give them a small shout mm-hmm. out since you have before the epic marvel podcast oh, yeah. um the new episode they were actually just they were uh, they just did the round robin actually yeah yeah and they did the second part uh and they include talk about all the annuals and stuff but the annuals like back in the day used to like they used to be like your like your wikipedia like they would give you like uh right uh like character like backgrounds and stuff or like maps of like the baxter building oh, or right. um or like Stark, uh, Avengers Tower, or a mansion, mm-hmm. or like Stark, Stark's mansion, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of the thing I think that that people used to buy annuals for too. Is if you want to know some sort of like if you, if you're a real information hog like that, that's a good way to get mm. it. Um, but story wise, yeah, they don't really play that much of a part. Yeah, Ex- unless like except for like big ones like Atlantis Attacks, yeah, which is a pretty big. That's one. That's cool. I'd love to find a podcast or, you know, that will cover it all. That was a huge one. That covered all the titles, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I remember I had, I've got oh. the Daredevil annual for that, but um, I think that's one of the early introductions to Daredevil for me, but um, that was a fun, a fun little romp, Atlantis. Um, and so, sorry, you've got... Is that it? I was like, but anyways, with the ones I have on my list for yes. the references to other ones, uh, you have Defenders 46 through 50, mm-hmm. Which uh, which you guys have covered actually yes. way back, <laughs> way back, uh, and I guess in the earlier days of the of the show, mm-hmm. um, with Moon Knight's involvement with the Defenders, that's where like that's like like the previous appearance of the Zodiac LMDs, um, 
And then they have with Iron Man 35 and Daredevil 73, which had previous appearances of the Zodiac Key and that Brotherhood. Yes. Uh, the, yeah, the realm of the Brotherhood and the whole idea about the Zodiac Key. Yeah, yeah. So, um, very interesting. And as well, that those Defenders, um, 46 to 50 and what we covered before, yeah, that goes into a whole lot more about Jake Fury because uh, that was one of the things of the time about, you know, having a recount and having a little flashback and in, like, one page or so just recounting what happens. And so that does it as well in the Defenders um, and those Defenders issues. So anyway, having gone through all that, Josh, um, really nice appearance by Moon Knight and uh, a bit of uh, a bit of an addition to his lore. Let's go on to our moon rating. So, as always, we have our highly convoluted moon rating system, all based on the phases of the moon. And for this, Josh, I'll let you go first. Uh, West Coast Avengers Volume 2, issues 25 to 30. What would you give this out of 10? Um, I'd probably give it probably like a waning gibbous. Mm-hmm. So, like a 6.5, 7 out of 10. Uh-huh. I, I thought it was... I, I, I did enjoy it. Um, like I said, I think... Uh, like I said, it, it wasn't ex- excellent, but it was it was pretty good. Um, I think like the issue thirty sort of knocked my score down a little bit because <laughs> I didn't enjoy it that much. Like I guess I thought it was just just a, a little wonky with how like the pacing and stuff of it. And we're okay, we're gonna have you fight the robot one one at a time, and yeah, but yeah, so I'd say about seven out of ten. Waiting, give us. Okay, excellent. Um, I would I would agree with you wholeheartedly. More of the 7 out of 10, so a bit of a high-end waning gibbous. Uh, and this is taking all six of the issues as a whole. Uh, look, some issues were a lot stronger than others, uh, but generally I think I enjoyed a lot of it. None of it really did drag for me at all. Um, the art was, was great. It was consistent. Uh, some things were ridiculous. Some things were hilarious, but you've got to just take that, um, you know, for, for something that was written in the 80s. So, uh, yeah, so really uh, really enjoyed that. So that's a, a nice little average of about 7 out of 10 loonies. Uh, as we mentioned, it's readily available. Go check all those issues out. Now, Josh, I think we'll just go to a quick break. Uh, we'll uh, I'll throw to a couple of uh, collective members uh, and their shows. And when we come right... Well, bleh, sorry, when we come back, uh, let's go through our, a couple of... a few bits of Mooney Missives, some feedback, and uh, we'll wrap this show up. I am Connor from the House of L. And I am Ray from the House of Zod. We are two of the many many survivors of Krypton's destruction and we have made our home in Australia and dare I say have become Australians for better or worse. But we have also decided to read Superman comics, uh, read Superman books, watch Superman shows, cartoons movies, basically everything Superman and from an Australian perspective as well. Whether you're a seasoned fan like me or whether you are coming in fresh, wide-eyed and wanting to learn more like me, then this podcast is for you. Join us for our bi-weekly adventures available on all good podcast catches. But just search for Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. We'll be coming to you from Australia or some cosmic dimension, wherever we are that week. Up, 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 up and, and away! away.
Hey there! Do you like comic books? Do you like superhero TV and movies? Well, come on over and check out the Capes and Lunatics podcast. We have such shows as Capes and Lunatics and Super Connectivity, where we cover everything new and current and popular in the world of superheroes. And we also have episode-by-episode reviews of the Marvel Netflix shows and a monthly discussion of everything current on the DC Comics character Nightwing and a few other surprises all the time. So come join us for the Capes and Lunatics podcast. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is High Priest of Country, Ray, and I am with Josh. Geronimo! Johnson. Josh, how are you going? Are you still with me? Oh, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> in the 80-degree <laughs> heat early in the morning for you. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we... You know, we've just reviewed the trade arc or the trade or arc review, and we've got a bit of feedback here, um, just some people's thoughts on things. Uh, so, yeah, if anything, please get your thoughts in. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, this was from our Facebook page. Josh, we'll just go through maybe one each. Uh, this was our Facebook page from Adam Prine, one of our longtime Looney listeners. Oh, yes, look at the composite Avenger in all his chonky glory. Yes, yes, Adam. He's very chunky indeed. I'd like to see a figure, a toy figure. Maybe Hasbro can release Composite Avenger. Oh, God. That would be. You know what? They'll probably they should do that as the um like the build a figure. Yeah, yeah. Where, the, yeah, like, the, you, yeah. You buy the Marvel Legends and then you get like a weird yeah. like get an arm or a leg or something like that. Like that would be. And you, yeah, you'll definitely get something weird. Trust me with the Composite Avenger. Uh, Josh, we got another one from our Facebook group. All right, so here we got Frank Bennett. He says, never liked Al Milgram's work. Just awful. Two thumbs Wee. down. So, I mean, that's okay. Everyone's yeah. obviously. Um, uh, art is very subjective. Thank you, Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, I mean, God, there's so many different sorts of art out there now, isn't there? Um, but to me, Al Milgram's very classic, so, uh, you know, can't go too wrong with that. Uh, another short comment here from Ethan Summerson. I love West Coast Avengers so much. Thank you, Ethan. We do too. It's, you know, I, I love following. They're one of the first titles that I followed as well. Uh, interesting to know. Maybe you can drop us a line what you think of the latest iteration of the West Coast Avengers by Kelly Thompson. I really enjoyed that too, but I know a lot of fans uh, were potentially up in arms at it being very different from what they thought the West Coast Avengers should be. Uh, yeah. Uh, next one, Josh here from... Uh, Dwayne Fletcher, he says, I have all the ones with Moon Knight on the team. Not a big fan of anyone else on this team. Reminds me of a B-cast movie. Oh. You're correct. That's why they're the West Coast <laughs> yeah, Avengers and not on the regular Avengers team. <laughs> uh, yeah, B. And we do have the C-class, which is the, uh, what are they, Great Lakes Avengers. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Uh, but West Coast, yeah. I mean, they've got their certain charm to them. Uh, and, you know, the big hitters like Iron Man, Hawkeye, uh, adds a bit of credit to them. Uh, and finally, we have something from Trevor Fipp the second, and it's oh god, it's like a West Coast super adaptoid fucking kill it with fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what would kill it, Trevor. Uh, I don't think fire would do it. I think you'd have to give it a pair of concrete shoes and then 
shoot it off into the sun or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's a hard thing to kill. Uh, but no, thank you, loonies. Uh, short and sharp. I love it. Uh, please get your feedback in. We'd love to hear it. Uh, love to hear more about, you know, why you didn't like, say, Al Milgram's stuff or what you love so much about the West Coast Avengers. Uh, we're always here to listen and we love to discuss and to just uh, to give you guys a shout out. Speaking of shout outs, uh, we are edging towards the end of our episode, but I just want to give a few spectacle shout outs. Um, so, as mentioned, well, as mentioned, Josh, earlier on in this episode, you gave a couple of shout outs to In Country. Uh, that's the, the NAM podcast. Is that correct? Yep. yep. Um, so rounding off the 100 episodes very shortly but um, look I'll put a link into them Uh, definitely worth a listen we love supporting our fellow um, Marvel character Marvel Comics podcasts and also hosted by Curtis Finlay the mighty fine gentleman there epic Marvel podcast he does a fantastic job uh, with going through all the epic collections I love epic collections Josh I don't know if you you get any of them but um I think they're, they're I cool. only have uh I have the first Black Panther one. Ooh. And from what okay. I've from what I've read and from what I told because they have a he they have a Facebook group mm-hmm. too with all the uh, like epic collections and I post in there and some people are like, "Oh, that's a that's a rough first one." <laughs> and uh it is I, I still haven't finished oh, it like okay. it, because um Don McGregor is the writer and he loves exposition. Oh no. And it takes a long time to read. Jeez. Um Oh. But I I do want to get some other ones in the future. Um, probably mm. the one more recent ones that came out. I want to get um, potentially for if I go through with my podcast thing. But uh, the Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. Oh, yeah. They just released the seen that. volume one of that. Mm. So I want I'm going to try to pick that one up at some point. And the thing I like about them is that they're quite substantial. You know, you're looking at about 450 pages of of comics, and it's uh, and it's a slice of an era as well. So. Um, I believe also, just incidentally, Josh, I know that you mentioned, uh, oh, I think I mentioned it at the top of the show, the Epic Collections will be releasing the West Coast Avengers volume, which will include all these issues, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, and Yeah, I think I think they announced it like the week after we covered yeah, the first one. Yeah. First, the first, yeah, like, the, like the same week, like right after you released it, it's like, oh yeah, we're going to yeah. release the, the Avengers Lost in Space Time. Yeah. It's uh yeah, so d- they're definitely worth getting. Um, but definitely check out the podcast as well. It is top quality. Also, just want to give a little uh, indulgent podcast plugs myself. Uh, I guest hosted or co-hosted episode 126 of the Signal of Doom with Dave Finn. Uh, that should be out by the end of this weekend. So keep your ears out for that if you want to hear stuff. You want to hear us rant about pop culture. And uh, we review a couple of comics as well, and a trade, which was which was the massive, which was that um, the trade that I mentioned at the top of the show. Also, Dave and I we managed to get a guest spot in a Predator retrospective on Twentieth Century Geek. Now this is available now on all podcast catches. It's part one, and uh, we had a chat with Scott, the host, and we talked about Predator, Predator Two, and Aliens versus Predator the movies, as well as the Dark Horse comics. Uh, if ever you're a fan, Josh, do you like Predator at all? Or 
I've never seen oh, one. Oh, Josh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go out, please. At least see Predator with Arnie. It is one of the best <laughs> movies out there. Uh, if you want to hear me talk any more about it, <laughs> check out the podcast. No, seriously, it's Predator is, is awesome. Depends if you like your sci-fi sort of stuff. Um, but that's out there. Go check it out if you can. Um, it's a great show as well. Scott talks about anything um, 20th century pop culture related as well. And finally, I wanted to give a nice shout-out to our, f- our good friends over at Inner Demons, a ghostwriter podcast hosted by Chris Martin and Brian Biggie. Big shout-out to you guys. Episode 43, they have an interview with Howard Mackey. So um, that is really fun. I think Brian went to... Oh, I can't remember. the. It was a particular comic book convention. He got to speak to Howard Mackey. Uh, got a nice interview with him. Uh, sounds like a really nice guy. Uh, go check it out. Uh, but they also review the likes of Marvel Comics Presents Issue 6, Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys the Universe, Marvel Universe. Uh, there's also a Ghost Rider and Cable uh, team-up issue, and they also do a 2006 Ghost Rider Issue 9 um, to uh, a review. So, yeah, all a very, very highly entertaining podcasts. Go check them out. And, uh, and that pretty much wraps up our... Uh, our show uh josh it's been fantastic to having you on thank you so much for taking your time oh yeah thanks for having me on again yeah anytime josh um uh, thank you so much for for putting um look looney just so you know um i put it out on the on the group um had no idea really what to do for a trade arc josh put his hand up he suggested this which was a great run and then i asked josh well do you want to come on the show so it, it is that easy loonies you can do it too if you want to come <laughs> on to the show just uh contact us and uh yeah it's it's all it's all fun um and we'll actually i guess we'll have another one coming up probably in the next month or so yes right <laughs> oh yeah uh sorry i don't follow uh we're we're gonna do um Acts of Vengeance oh, for the Acts of Evil coming yes. up, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's got to, yeah, of course. Yep. So a uh, bit of a sizzle there. Of, yeah. Oh, man, Acts of Evil. Yeah, I must say. Anyway, well, my thoughts are... Until, <laughs> well, yeah. for... Uh, I sort of mentioned this off there, and you, you can cut it out if you want, mm-hmm. um, but in preparation for Acts yes. of Vengeance, <laughs> I was just like, well, what Well, what better way to just read the whole thing now? Yeah. So I read like all sixty issues, Man, and that, uh, let me tell well you, done. well done, well <laughs> done. That is so cool. Some was really good, some not so much. Yeah, hit and miss. Yeah, true. But just the concept of it, yeah, I think it's just fantastic, and um, it was pretty yeah. ambitious. Uh, yeah, there, there's a hardcover omnibus I'd I'd love to get of um, Acts of Vengeance. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, no, absolutely, Josh. Um, we're gonna we're gonna put you in the, the schedule. Um, so no, big thanks once again. Uh, yeah, uh, next phase we have a full moon and loonies. We have our segment of moon and stars. Yes, that is our film and TV segment, and we'll have a special guest, Alex Lumen, and one of his other actors um, from his fan film. It's part two of his Moon Knight uh, on screen. Uh, he's got a YouTube MU. I think it is called YTMU, or YTMCU, uh, and he's a young fella. He he does um, some fan films. Uh, this film coming up, which is released now, uh, involves Moon Knight, Shang Chi, Iron Fist, and I think Winter Soldier. Uh, you know, so I I do admire Alex's passion, and it'd be good to have him on the show talk about his latest film. 
Finally, loonies, you can find us on a slew of things. We're on email, itkmoonight at gmail.com. We have our website, intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com. And as we've mentioned before, we're on Facebook. We have a page, facebook.com slash itkmoonight, as well as a Facebook group. Please join. We've hit over that 1,000 mark. I think we're at 1,020 or something, which... I just can't believe it's just amazing. Uh, Facebook.com slash group slash ITK Moon Knight. Josh is, you know, you've been one of the OGs, haven't you? Like from the start, it's it's been. I think I think I was uh, part of the pair that got you to two hundred. I think. Ah, oh, awesome! <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's right there, right near the top. Um, we have a, a Twitter handle at ITK Moon Knight. And we're on Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube. Just search for Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Finally, iTunes ratings. Thanks, everyone that sent something in. Please keep them coming. Uh, they help us cast a larger net um, to alert other Moon Knight fans, other loonies out there to potentially listen to us. Uh, or if you have something you know that you'd like to suggest or how we can improve the show, we're o- open to that as well obviously so uh yeah please get your ratings and reviews in finally we're on all good good podcast catches so uh yeah whatever you're listening to now uh, you know just imagine another one we're on on that one as well have a podcast such as spotify soundcloud you know if you are out in the woods somewhere or uh, you're in a cave and you've forgotten your phone uh, you can find us through other means. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that pretty much wraps our show, 108. I'm very happy to have Josh with us, and a big thanks once again, Josh. We'll be seeing you very soon then, eh, for the Acts of Evil, Acts of Vengeance? Yeah, probably in another month or so. Brilliant. So if you, so if you want to leave a rating in the iTunes, say get that Josh guy out of here because he ruins <laughs> the episode, go ahead. Feel free. Oh, <laughs> never, never. Um, anyway, Linnies, that's it from us. As always, may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. See you guys. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.